You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. Excited to be back for another show today. And on today's show, we're going to be joined by Jacob Rood of the Locked On Hoosiers podcast, Hoosiers podcast Excuse me, um, as we do a crossover episode breaking down tonight's game, Iowa versus Indiana. It's going to be a lot of fun. really enjoyed the conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it just as much as I did. Before we get to all of that, though, I want to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. And today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head over to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. And there was a lot of news that came out yesterday in the Iowa football world. Sam Laporta is returning, which is phenomenal. Very excited about that. Jack Campbell is also returning. So is Alex Padilla. We're going to be breaking all of that down on tomorrow's episode of the show. So be on the lookout for that. But today we're going to be doing a full episode covering the Iowa-Indiana basketball game, and we're going to kick that off right now. All right, y'all, it's Andrew Wade of the Locked On Hawkeyes, Jacob Rood of the Locked On Hoosiers podcast, and we have Iowa versus Indiana basketball tonight going on. So we thought, we thought we'd join each other and do a little crossover episode. Before we get started, though, Jacob, my man, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing a lot better uh, now that it's basketball season. We were talking before the podcast. Uh, never got to thank you in person for absolutely deflating our football <laughs> season. Uh almost before it even started but uh basketball has been a lot kinder to us and i am i'm way more excited about this uh basketball season now than i was in the middle of the football season that's good yeah i mean for me i think it's almost the the inverse i was very excited about this football season uh we had a pretty good run kind of tailed off towards the end uh basketball has been a little tougher for me this year um the team has been tough to i love the team i love the players but it has been tough to get really excited because every time you get a little excited, uh, they have issues with rebound. I mean, just some of the stuff they're kind of going through, I'm like, these are things that should not be happening. I, I thought offense would be an issue with this basketball team, but it's more of just rebounding the freaking basketball. Um, so I, I feel like I'm a little bit the inverse of you, uh, but we're going to be talking about all that on on today's show, man, uh, this Thursday morning. I'm curious, from a huge a huge perspective, uh, a lot of interesting stuff happening in the offseason. You get a new coach. You think Trace Jackson Davis and guys might be leaving. Um, ultimately, a couple main guys stay. You bring in like three or four transfers. Um, what were the expectations for Indiana coming into this season? Honestly, I'm, I'm not really sure that there were many uh, for all the reasons you said because it, this was just such an unknown. Um, Mike Woodson comes in, obviously a respected NBA head coach, but uh, it's a whole different animal coaching in college. And – uh, he's an older coach as well. There were a lot of reservations about how he would adapt. Um, we obviously knew that Trace Jackson Davis was was really good, but um, all of the other kind of main contributors on this team uh, are, are transfers that have come in. So um, there, there weren't really expectations. They had a trip to the Bahamas during uh, the summer where it sounded like they played well. 
um, had some people optimistic, but I don't think in anybody's kind of best case scenario, they would have imagined um, this IU team being 12 and three right now, having a win over Ohio state um, being at uh, 500 in the conference um, or excuse me, over 500 now in the conference um, they've exceeded expectations, even if there weren't really any to begin with. Uh, Mike Woodson has been great. Chase Jackson Davis has been all American level. And this team has just been a blast, mainly, I mean, probably because uh, they don't really have expectations. So this all just feels like fun. There's no pressure. Uh, they're exceeding all the expectations. And uh, it's been a it's been a blast to to watch this team this year. That's awesome here. Yeah, I think from an Iowa perspective, coming off of last year's season, people weren't sure of what to expect, yet there's still kind of like an expectation that we should be decent at least, right? And I think we have some components of that uh, decency, but it's a matter of putting together and getting those wins when we need to. Um, I'm curious about, you know, I, Iowa's losses have been to Iowa State, Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, all top-ranked teams, right? Indiana – the losses are a bit interesting when you when you look at them. Uh, losing to Penn State, uh, losing to Syracuse. Um, you did lose to Wisconsin, but all right, that's a pretty good loss at this point. Um, what went wrong in those losses? Well, the first thing is that the trend there is every one of them is on the road. Uh, IU is yet to I win a road that. game. Yeah, I, I was going to say, <laughs> good, good, uh, good news for Hawkeye fans. IU is yet to win on the road this year. Um, that's the first trend. I, although, um, that isn't really the only reason the Syracuse game was turnovers, just an absolute ton of turnovers, um, against that two, three zone. Uh, they finished with 26 in that game. Uh, the Jeez. Wisconsin, yeah, it was a double overtime game. It was an absolutely silly game. At one point, um, Trace Jackson Davis went down with like a non-contact knee injury that, looked really really bad and everybody was just like this is awful the season's done he came back in like two minutes later and uh saved us and sent it to overtime uh obviously he's been fine but uh the wisconsin game was maybe the the first half was the best half of the season uh we were throttling wisconsin up by 20 i think 23 points in the first half and lost that game uh so we don't wow. even <laughs> you can imagine what the second half was like um that Penn State game again was an odd game. IU was coming off. They had a game canceled right around the New Year's. Penn State had three weeks off. Um, the It was just kind of an odd feeling game. Um, but Penn State came out, shot the ball really well. It was IU's worst game of the season, I would say, over a full 40 minutes. Um, offense in general has been an issue for this team. The defense is really, really, really good. Um, and Mike Woodson preached that the minute he got here. The offense outside of Trace Jackson Davis has not been great, which is interesting just comparing these two teams because it feels like just looking at the stats, almost the exact, exact opposite, opposite for, exact for opposite. Iowa this year. Yeah, it's uh, you're completely right. The exact freaking opposite. Where like Iowa offensively, I thought – Man, offensively, they're going to be worse than last year because you're losing Luca Garza. You're losing a Joe Wieskamp, both NBA players. You're losing a CJ Frederick who could knock down threes at a pretty good clip. Jack Nungy, right? You're losing a bunch of guys who performed well offensively. But I thought defensively, 
this is where the team is going to shine because they have a lot of length and a lot of guys at that six foot eight range. They have four guys at six foot eight who can kind of guard and defend multiple guys, especially Keegan, Chris Murray, Keegan and Chris Murray and Patrick McCaffrey. Those guys can defend one through four, if not five, depending on how big that five is. I thought defensively this team would be pretty darn good coming into the season, but they're actually managing to be worse than any Iowa team in the last <laughs> like four or five years, which is saying something because Iowa is not a very good defensive team. Um, I do want to quickly, uh, I just quickly looked up the Ken Palm um, expected win for Wisconsin and Indiana uh, at the three minute mark. It gave Wisconsin a 13.8% chance of winning that game at the three minute mark left in the game. Um, obviously Wisconsin going on to win that game. So very unfortunate. Um, I'm curious about the turnovers because Iowa um, is kind of, again, these are very polar opposite teams. Iowa does not force or does not turn the ball over hardly ever. They're a fantastic team of keeping possession of the ball. They always have been, but they're also really good at forcing teams to turn the ball over as well. They've gotten better at stealing the basketball. Um, have you seen turnovers be an issue throughout the season, or is it really just that Syracuse game really inflating those statistics? All right, y'all. I need to pause the conversation because this is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours, but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. And with NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. So for the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com locked. That's right. Head over to netsuite.com slash locked for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That is netsuite.com slash locked. And again, thank you for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. Early in the season in general, they were a problem. Even before that Syracuse game, uh, it was a known issue. Uh, through the first, <clears throat> excuse me, through the first 10 games this year, uh, IU averaged 15 turnovers a game. Um, they only had two games that they didn't have double digit turnovers. And then over the last, um, five games, it's been much, much better. Um, they've only turned the ball over 21 times in the last three games combined. Uh, so it was very much a problem early in the year and it is it's been trending in the right direction for a while so I don't think it is as much of a problem the two issues that were problems kind of at the beginning of the year for IU were turnovers and three-point shooting Uh, and the turnovers have kind of dissipated and the three-point shooting has gotten better and better though there's been a couple games um, in the the last little bit that Penn State game they actually didn't shoot the ball well against Ohio State. Uh, they just played so well defensively that they kind of overcame that. But um, in general, those two games um, or those two things were the problems at the beginning of the year for IU that they have gotten turned around of late. That's good, man. Good, uh, good for Indiana at least. Not not for Iowa. Um, I would love to see a little bit, a few more, a few more turnovers. I'm curious. You mentioned with uh, Indiana defensively is. 
really, according to Ken Palm, they're a top 10 team defensively, or I think they're number 11 than Ken Palm, um, a very strong defensive team. How has the defense changed under Mike Woodson? Or has uh, it changed? Oh, yes. Um, Archie, <laughs> Archie Miller, um, that was not enjoyable basketball to watch, and it was hardly successful basketball. I mean, that's why he was fired. Um, that's been a thing that we've talked about all year, just comparing this team to Archie Miller, because a lot of the big contributors are new, but uh, players like Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, Rob Finnessy, all were here last year, and um, just seeing what Mike Woodson has gotten out of them that um, Archie Miller could not is startling at times. But uh, when it comes to this defense, one of the biggest things is the transformation Trace Jackson Davis has made on that end. Uh, he's one of the top rim protectors, definitely in the Big Ten. Um, and there's probably not a whole lot of a whole lot of guys better in the country. Uh, he is, it's been wild because it's not even like he went from like an average, maybe below average defender to, uh, good. He went from honestly a bad defender to a great defender, uh, in his time at IU. And he's made the biggest jump under Mike Woodson. Um, the hit, uh, trace Jackson Davis and race Thompson, uh, in the front court, both are really, really good defensively. Um, Race is more kind of positional. He's not the overwhelming athlete necessarily. Um, but the two of them kind of anchor things down uh, in the paint, and it allows the guards to be super, super aggressive. Um, and just kind of pairing all that together has has led to a formula for success. That being said, just looking at, at Iowa's offense, I don't know that Indiana has played anybody nearly this good uh, offensively, um, you, as you said, you guys don't turn the ball over. You don't get blocked, anything like that. And those are two of the areas IU kind of excels defensively. What is it about this uh, Iowa offense that, that makes them so great? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So I, I want to, you talked about trace and, and race. Uh, they're allowing a 39% two point percentage, which is first in the country. Uh, pretty yeah. phenomenal. I think when you look at Iowa's offense, uh, you have to factor in Jordan Bohannon. When you look at how teams have defended Iowa, they usually take one of their better defenders and they try to lock down Jordan Bohannon because he might not be the guy who's going to win the game for Iowa every time, but he's also the guy who, when Iowa's down 15, he's the guy who can bring Iowa back. And when you look at Wisconsin, what they did defensively against Iowa, they basically put Brad Davison, who is very dirty, but one of the better defenders <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in all of basketball, they had him just sitting on Jordan Bohannon, just, don't let Jordan Bohannon shoot the ball. I think where this team varies from last year, where last year was running the offense through Luca Garza, Luca Garza being very good around the rim, but also very good at passing uh, to the open three-point shooters. This year, it's more about dribble and drive and getting to the basket and being willing to kick it out if need be and getting out in transition. Um, I think where Iowa has struggled a little bit is having a number two option in this offense. Um, they haven't had a consistent guy every single time. Now, in some regards, that's a that's a positive, right? If you have a number, a different number two guy every night, but I think the problem is it's not like we have a number two guy that's different every night, and then a number three guy who's consistent. It's just all over the board with who is going to be that guy to step up in regards or next to Keegan Murray. Um, I think where Iowa can be dangerous offensively is the fact that Keegan Murray is so skilled at getting to the basket and creating his own shot and also shooting three. I mean, this guy can literally do it all. There's a reason why he is 
um, considered one of the national player of the year front runners, and he's a leading scorer in all of college basketball. It's because he can he can score in so many dynamic ways. Jordan Bohannon can shoot the three. Patrick McCaffrey can get to the basket. He just struggles with with capitalizing on the opportunities once he gets there. I don't know what it is. It, it's been something I've kind of noticed over the last couple of years. He can get to the basket, but it's just it's one of those things where it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it goes in ever. Um, even when he when he gets up there. So to answer your question, I think it, it really just Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray has been uh, phenomenal. Uh, we've seen some really good performances from a, a collection of guys, but it hasn't been consistent across the board. Three-point shooting is always going to be kind of an interesting thing to watch with Iowa. Again, Jordan Bohannon being kind of the main guy there. But Peyton Sanford, who's a true freshman, can come off the bench, basically do Jordan Bohannon type of things uh, with a little bit better defensive effort. Chris Murray, uh, Keegan's brother, is also a great three-point shooter. Uh, something to watch out for as well. Also a guy who can drive the basket. And then Tony Perkins has developed a bit of an outside shot too. So Iowa can just attack you from a variety of different ways. And they like to get out in transition. They are going to, and that's honestly probably why they struggle so much with rebounding, is that their guys are trying to get out in transition before they even secured the ball. And that gives other teams a lot of great opportunities. So it's been, we have, we have a very good offense, but it's it's been kind of frustrating because some of our success offensively is honestly maybe played over into our lack of success defensively. It's going to be interesting to see how the Hoosiers match up then. They did just have success against another um, player of the year kind of candidate in EJ Liddell. Uh, they made his night awful against IU uh, about a week ago. Um, but again, this seems Keegan Murray just looking at the statistics seems like a different kind of beast. Um, wouldn't be surprised if Race Thompson starts on him. Um, that's who drew the primary assignment on uh, EJ Liddell, though I think one thing that IU did really well on that night, and we'll see how much they can replicate it against Iowa, is they were always just aware of where EJ Liddell was on the floor, um, whether it was a drop-off pass or a driving kick or even just rebounding and putbacks. Um, they, they knew where EJ Liddell was going to be, and got a body to him, make sure everything was contested for him. Um, but yeah, Keegan Murray just he he's been impressive this season, been really, really good. This is gonna be the the biggest test yet for this Hoosier defense. Um, who really we haven't played a lot of really good, I mean, we haven't played a lot of really good teams or really good offenses in general. Um, part of hiring a Mike Woodson as a first year coach is we just filled the non-conference schedule with really easy opponents to try to figure things out as we went. And uh, the kind of knock on the IU team until that Ohio State game is they didn't really have a big win. Um, and that was a win at home on prime time, all that fun stuff. So this is a, a different kind of test. Um, the Hoosiers, I mean, I mentioned they haven't been good away from Assembly Hall either. So. Um, I it, it's going to be interesting because these are two of the best players in the Big Ten in general as well that uh, will be matching up against one another. But um, it's strength versus strength. Um, I guess on the other side of the ball, defensively, um, I mean it's a it's a poor IU offense against a a poor Iowa defense. So uh, where has Iowa kind of struggled defensively then? 
Hey Hawkeye fans, this is your host Andrew Wade with an incredible app everyone who buys gas need to know about. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. All you need to do is download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code SCORE, that's S-C-O-R-E, and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price to the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code SCORE and you can get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back and there's literally no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or even an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That is code SCORE to put some money in your pocket when you're at the pump. And BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022, and it's where I go to to place all my wagers that I talk to you about on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. And with this new year, they have a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you need to do is use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 seasons of sports. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Uh, believe me, I've seen this before where we play a poor offense and it makes our poor defense look even worse. We make bad offenses look good, man. It is that um, I want to touch on a point you said earlier, and I'll get, get to your question here in a second. Um, I think Keegan and EJ are, are definitely different players, too, which will be really yeah. interesting to see how they match up. Because Keegan, to me, is more of a guy who he plays more like a tall, I would say more like a three, whereas EJ Liddell plays more of a traditional four or five, just being undersized. Uh, yeah. Keegan going to be a bit quicker, able to drive the basket a bit easier, a better three-point shooter. So his outside game is probably a bit better, while his inside game, you're not going to see Keegan uh, backing guys down. He's not going to sit there and back down Trace Jackson Davis and you know play back the basket. So that'll be it'll be interesting to see how they do handle uh, Keegan Murray. Is that has been the focal point of everybody's attention? It's Keegan Murray and Jordan Bohannon, and let the other guys beat you. And um, to a degree, that's worked. Uh, but I think where, when you mentioned the defense and, and what has been the issue. Um, Iowa has traditionally liked to play a lot of zone. Um, when you look at Iowa from an athleticism perspective, man defense isn't going to be the best feature of our team um, typically, but we have better athletes than we have in the past, especially at, at the wing position or the, the garden wing positions outside of, of Jordan, who's not a terrible athlete. He's just not overly quick to be able to handle some of the better point guards and shooting guards in the conference. Um, so we, we traditionally played a lot of zone, but when we play a lot of zone, we struggle with rebounding the basketball. If that's just that's just our biggest issue. We can hold we can hold teams to almost the entire shot clock and they'll miss a open three or two or whatever it might be, and we don't get the rebound. I have it is amazing the ways we don't get a rebound. Um, <laughs> and it's incredibly frustrating. And and what happens is we get absolutely annihilated on second, third, and sometimes fourth chance opportunities. And those are demoralizing as heck for a team, but it all comes down to rebounding. I think Iowa, if they could just get to the basket, and that's when you see Iowa switch to man, which then exposes some weaknesses in some of our on-ball defense potentially. So um, it's kind of a mix or match there. Um, 
we oftentimes, uh, I always find this interesting. Last year I was always doing some reports on it. Um, pick a random guy who hasn't shot the ball really well for any given team. And we're going to let him look like he's Jordan Bohannon. I think last year it might've been Rob Finnessy um, who shot lights out against Iowa. One of their games, like this guy has not shot the three well all season. He comes into this game and hits like six of eight threes against Iowa. So um, there's going to be opportunities there unless Iowa can clean up rebounding in their losses. It has been because of rebounding. That has been the biggest, the biggest issue. They just get just destroyed on the baskets. I think Kofi Coburn almost out-rebounded our whole team when we played <laughs> Illinois. And, and we, we were still in that game. So it's it's definitely rebounding. That's where our biggest issues are. Now, uh, successfully, we've done a pretty good job in a full-court press. We've had a lot of success in the full-court press, half-court trap, that kind of stuff, really putting a lot of pressure, on-ball pressure, early on in the shot clock. Um, but we can't do that all game. And so, and usually we, we try to do it when we get a little run and then we really, that's where we turn a two point lead into a 15 point lead. Um, or if we're down by 15, it's not usually just our go-to strategy for middle parts of the game that are just trucking along like normal. Uh, good news is Rob Finnessy had his big three point shooting game against Minnesota. Cool. So <laughs> I don't think he's going to be the one that does it. I went and looked. Yeah, hilariously, last year, Rob Finnessy uh, never made more than two three-pointers in a game and made four against you guys. Um, yeah, every time. I don't do it. <laughs> Literally, like, it's every single game against any team, one guy who had no idea, you never heard of his name before. Like, I'll, I'll look up, a, I'll look up the Ohio, there's an Ohio State guy who had, like, a max of three points the entire season and had 25 or 26 against Iowa, like, two years ago. Just absurd. Sorry, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting. I'm just like very passionately annoyed about how Iowa allows open three point shooters. Yeah, I was trying to look see who could, could potentially be that guy for IU. Xavier Johnson uh, is our point guard who um, I have described his jumper as Lonzo Ball without the makes. Um, <laughs> it is going to be as funky of a jumper as you guys have seen this year. Uh, he. So Minnesota, the way they defended IU, uh, and I think this could be something teams do more in the Big Ten, is uh, they earnestly just packed the paint. There were five guys with a foot inside the paint, um, all kind of being very aware of where Trace Jackson Davis was, and they dared IU to beat them from the three-point line, um, specifically Xavier Johnson and Rob Finnessy. Um, the two of them hit six three-pointers in the first half against Minnesota, very uncharacteristic, and Minnesota adjusted uh, their defense, and IU won kind of going away a bit in the second half. Uh, I still think the way Minnesota was doing it was a bit extreme in that they weren't within 10 feet of Rob Finnessy on any of his three-point attempts. Um, I still think that that's kind of the formula that teams might take with this IU offense. Um, if I was looking at a guy that might break out for this, uh, this three pointer barrage that might happen, Parker Stewart at the beginning of the year was, um, hitting over 50% of his threes. He's had a bit of a slump lately. Um, he is due for a big game. Um, Tamar Bates is a freshman five-star recruit who it's been a little up and down with him. Uh, beginning of the year, he played really well. He's been in a bit of a slump as well of late. His minutes have started to go away as we've went into Big Ten play. Ultimately, though, this IU team kind of lives and dies by its guards. 
uh, for as good as Trace Jackson Davis is, there's been many nights at Penn State game, for example, he did everything he could to try to to save IU from a, a really frustrating loss, but the guard play, the three-point shooting wasn't good enough ultimately, and the Hoosiers couldn't get enough stops to um, come out ahead in that one. So this IU offense really, uh, it, it just depends on how um, the non-Trace Jackson Davis guys are shooting and are playing. Trace is going to get his. Race Thompson plays incredibly well off him. He's going to be flirting with a double-double uh, by the end of the night. But then there have been multiple nights where nobody else on the team has more than six points or eight points. Uh, that Penn State game, that Wisconsin game um, are examples. So um, if you can kind of limit everybody else, which hasn't been too hard to do at times this season, I think that would be the formula for Iowa to find success. Uh, but of late, the Hoosiers have done really well. Um, a lot of teams are, are doubling uh, Trace Jackson Davis and not really being worried about the Hoosiers knocking down threes. And instead of them taking threes, they've been doing a lot more driving and kicking and passing and getting an open shot that way. Uh, you mentioned a zone. I wouldn't be surprised if you guys tried that as well because IU has been very hot and cold against his own defenses this year. That Syracuse game we mentioned, they had 26 mm -hmm. turnovers, and that's all Syracuse runs. Um, those possessions either ended in turnovers or dunks. So that's kind of been what IU has done against uh, zone defenses this year, is either just mind-numbing turnovers or Trace Jackson Davis gets a dunk. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa went to a fair bit of zone as well against the Hoosiers because – it's not been something they've been great at this season. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like I said, the, this is a tale of two different two different teams, uh, with the exact the strengths that match up very well against each other to make for a very interesting game. Uh, to me, this looks like either Iowa is going to honestly blow Indiana out, or Indiana is going to win by like three or four. Um, I want to I want to make note that you mentioned being on the road has been tough for Indiana. Uh, Carver Hawkeye Arena is probably one of the worst home court advantages in the big 10 uh, the fan support is, is not good, right? It's just not the best environment. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't hurt Iowa too much in this game. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting, man. If, if, if they struggle that much against his own uh, I just, I don't trust Iowa zone to be able to, to handle that, but we've seen the the show before where, you know, last year with Iowa teams allow Luca Garza to get his stop the wings and you win the game. And a lot of teams yeah. did that. Indiana did that. Uh, seemed to work well. So um, it'll be an interesting game. What are your final predictions, man? Until this IU team wins a road game, uh, I don't know if I can uh, predict it to win one. Um, I would probably say Iowa by probably seven, eight points. Um, final score would be something like 80 to 73, maybe, maybe a little bit lower than that, but somewhere right around there, I think Iowa will probably win this. Uh, this is a really tough place to potentially get your first road win. And I don't trust the Hoosiers on the road yet. Yeah. I'm struggling with this. Um, Cause Iowa has had a break, which is good. They're coming off a very bad loss against Wisconsin. They are getting a little bit healthier. 
Man, I, I'm going to hate – I just hate playing Indiana. Some about Indiana and basketball is like <laughs> playing Northwestern and football or Purdue and football for the Hawks. Like the last couple of years, it just seems like Indiana has been a thorn in Iowa's side. But I do think Iowa can come out and get the W. And I, I will say probably a 7-10 to 10 point win. Um, I'm going to probably say like 84 to, to 74 at this point. Just um, Indiana is going to get theirs. Even if their offense hasn't been good, they will, they will get some against Iowa. That won't be a problem <laughs> at all. We found a way to let teams uh, eat a little bit too. Uh, Jacob, it has been a blast talking to you about Iowa-Indiana basketball. Uh, for the Hawkeye fans out there listening, you can find Jacob at Jacob Rude on Twitter covering the Locked On Hoosiers or the Indiana Hoosiers at the Locked On Hoosiers podcast Monday through Friday. As always, you can find me, Andrew Wade, covering the Hawkeyes Monday through Friday as well at Locked On Hawkeyes. Jacob, any last words, man? Uh, good luck. Hope it's a fun one tonight. Yeah, man. Go Hawks. Go Hoosiers. <laughs> All right, y'all, that does it for our show today. Again, thank you all for tuning in to today's crossover episode. As a reminder, we are going to be breaking down the decisions from Sam Laporta, Alex Padilla, and obviously Jack Campbell to come back to the Iowa Hawkeyes for another season. We're going to be talking about that on the show tomorrow and also giving you a review of the Iowa-Indiana game. Before we get to any of that and closing out the final show, though, of today, just a reminder that the Locked On Bets podcast has you covered for all of your betting needs Every single day, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. You can find where you need to place your bets at at betonline.ag by going to Locked On Bets Podcast. And again, thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes Podcast. Have a fantastic Thursday, and as always, Hawkeye Nation, let's go, Hawks.